from reading this article, mm-hmm. um, even after my years of experience of working with families who have food allergy, that's that's sort of what comes to my mind. If the the closest thing I can come to understanding it is is that mm-hmm. just the the constant making sure. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why this article is so good. Welcome to Food Allergy and Your Kiddo with Dr. Alice Hoyt, the podcast about demystifying food allergies, diminishing allergy anxiety, and taking back control. Let's navigate this challenge together with evidence-based information, scientific research, and tried and proven practices. And now, here's your host, board-certified allergist and immunologist specializing in food allergy, Dr. Alice Hoyt. Hello, and welcome to the Food Allergy and Your Kiddo podcast. I am your host, Dr. Alice Hoyt, and I will be joined in a moment by my co-host, Pam, food allergy mama extraordinaire. And she and I are finishing our four-part series. This is part three, a four-part series on an amazing paper entitled Parents of Children with Food Allergy, a Qualitative Study Describing Needs and Identifying Solutions. Is this you? Is this someone you know and love? If you haven't listened to the first two episodes of this series, go back and listen to it. The information in this article is so good. And the discussion that I'm having with Pam, you're going to want to hear every bit of it especially leading into this episode and then leading into our next episode where we're actually interviewing the author. She's fantastic. Also, if you haven't gone to foodallergyandyourkiddo.com, go visit the site, sign up for the mailing list, never miss another episode. Okay, let's dive right in to part three of this awesome series on parents of children with food allergy. The third theme. So there are three themes. This is the third theme. And it it has four sub-themes as well. This is the need for resources. Mm-hmm. And the sub-themes are day-to-day management, ages and stages, mental health support, and the dream. Mm-hmm. So let's let's start with the day-to-day management here. Um One family felt too much information at the time of diagnosis was overwhelming, but most parents said they needed credible information as soon as the diagnosis was made. And I think with this, you know, we've kind of already talked about all of this, but it's just um, having all that available to you at the time or having somewhere to go saying, you know what, these are, if you need some resources outside of what I just told you, here's some really good websites for you to go to, to get, you know, any information. And if you still don't get it, if you still have questions, let's schedule a consultation appointment for the two of us to sit down and I will answer all your questions. You know, that's mm-hmm. just something that I would throw out there. Um, because that, that really is what it is. It's not just, here's your EpiPen. It's how do I read labels? Um, do I use may contain or manufacturing facility that like, what do those things mean? You know, do I need to call everybody that um, I buy foods from, you know, it's, it's all of the things that you don't think about mm-hmm. that will eventually, as you're living it day by day, um, will come forth. And it's just kind of having that, um, the, 
the resources there to mm-hmm. um, help you work your way through all of the questions right. that you may have. Right. And what what do you think about the ages and stages? One of the quotes was, I think it would be more like a parent just because through the stages, you just kind of want to know what's coming up or what to look for, what you know you could do to prevent certain things. Mm-hmm. I think that's so true. You know, I think living with a food allergy is like becoming a parent for the first time. You know, you're kind of going through the stages and the milestones and you're thinking, well, is this right? Is this not right? And, um, you know, you could buy the books on it or, you know, whatever it may be, but you're always constantly learning. For us, you know, we've, we've reached middle school. So, but each stage is different. You know, when she was at home, it was super easy. She was at home. And then I had to worry about preschool and allowing her to have that preschool experience, like all the other children were having. Um, but that was new to me, you know, well, what do I do now? are there plans that I need to, who do I need to call? Do I need forms? Um, and then going into public school, um, or private school or whatever it may be, what forms do I need then? The first time I walked into a nurse's office and she was like, well, you need all these form signs. And I thought, I thought I knew what I was doing. (laughs) And then she's like, well, where are all your forms? And I thought, well, no one told me I needed forms, you know? And so it's having all of that. Um, middle school, middle school dances. Now we're, you know, doing this and that, I'm not even to high school and college yet, (laughs) you know? And so there is, you know, if, if there was sort of like this comprehensive guide, you know, maybe a parent who's, who's at the other side of it and is now an adult raising their own kids, you could write a book and let us know. I think we need to get the Deganges on that book. Yes, it would be so good. Go listen to that podcast and they'll tell you all about it. But, you know, but it's even things like that, just having a podcast that, I mean, I'm telling you, and I've, I've gone on rants about this before on the podcast, but listening to them, I just, it just gave me such a sense of, all right, I got this. Like, it's going to be okay. Um, and, and it's things like that. Sometimes you need to see that light at the end of the tunnel to know that it's going to be okay. Even if you're not there yet, to know that you can come out at the other side and it's going to be good. But just, you know, hearing from a, from a source, maybe, I don't want to say an unbiased source because we're all biased, um, you know, toward food allergies, but just a source that's level-headed, that's been through it and can say, hey, look, it's scary, but these things work. And this is what you can kind of expect. I think it's such would be such a great resource. I think it's a tricky one, though. I think that's a tricky one to um, to say, you know, to ask someone to provide because it comes with life experience. Pam, I'm looking at you on the podcast because, as y'all know, listeners, we we film with video, but we only record the audio. Um, but I'm looking at Pam, and I mean, Pam, you're one of those people. <laughs> You are, that's one of the reasons you're on the podcast is because you're able to share and give this insight that I, as an allergist, I don't have the insight of a a parent of a kiddo with food allergy. Um, So it's, you're a blessing to people. So don't, don't, don't forget that my friend, very dear friend. And I think what you're describing and, you know, as we go through this paper, I just have all these ideas, all (laughs) these, anyone who knows me knows that I like projects and there needs to be, and there is some guidance regarding how to transition a mm-hmm. child from the pediatric care model of medicine to the adult care model of medicine. I think right. I've talked about that a little bit before. Mm-hmm. As a refresher, if I haven't talked about that, 
the pediatric care model when it comes to medicine or medical care, whatever you want to call it, is that a parent is really in control. And the kid is there, but especially when, I mean, when a kid is a baby, you can't counsel a kid on how to take their medicine, right? It's, you, you talk to the parent. Mm-hmm. But there needs to be a transition time, usually starting when they're 10, 11. I, I mean, I think when it comes to kiddos with food allergy, it starts much younger. Mm-hmm. Um, also, because I find that children with food allergy tend to be very bright children. So I, you know, we don't know what causes food allergy, but there are, there are very, very bright children who have food allergy. And I I don't know the chicken egg. I I can't explain the relationship. (laughs) All I know is that these smart kids have food allergy. So there, there needs to be a transition time from when they're children to when they are adults and they are then suddenly in the adult care model where uh-huh. once they turn 18 legally unless the the kiddo has uh has signed a form saying yes you can talk to my mom um the healthcare professionals aren't supposed to talk to your parents uh-huh. about things they're supposed to talk to you but if we just like kind of like plop our 18 year olds into that it's like magically you're you're 17 and 364 days old and then you're 18, nothing magically changes mm-hmm. in that 24 hours. It's just you're legally considered an adult. So we have a lot of work to do to effectively transition kids to being ready to to manage life. And what reminded me of that was when you're talking about high school and college and how do we get our kiddos who have food allergy ready mm-hmm. to to make good decisions, to avoid situations that can put them at risk, um, and really just manage their food allergy. They need to be ready to do it before, before. they turn 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have these these ideas rolling around in my <laughs> mind, which some of my allergist friends are going to get phone calls after this yes. um, episode. Um but anyway, ages and stages, total, total important. important. Oh, yeah. I'm not surprised that was included here. Uh-huh. Um, the second to last sub theme here is mental health supports. And parents realize that even if they avoid, even if they received resources with pertinent information on allergy avoidance and management, much more information was required when living with food allergy and the mental health component that accompanied food allergy was often left out of resources. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked about that um, already, just having, you know, when you have postpartum depression, you call your gynecologist and then they say, okay, well, this is what we need to do because that's not a good way to feel and, and we need to fix that. Um or make it better. There's nothing wrong with you if you have that. Um, but you know, let's get you feeling like you should. And mm-hmm. with food allergies, it's well, who do I call now? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And to be able to, you know, call your food allergist office and say, "Hey, look, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. I know this isn't your department, but can you provide someone that can?" 
even if we're not necessarily talking about why this food allergy is scary to me, help me manage this. Help me, you know, I've talked a lot about, you know, I compartmentalize my brain, like, and that's something that I've learned, you know, through counseling and through um, self-help and, um, and all of the things I've been there, done that, (laughs) you know, I've, I've, I've gone through all of most of these things and, um, but I didn't call my food allergist to find out how I could get that. It was work that I did on my own. And again, I'm very well aware that because I live in a um, uh, family with healthcare providers that, you know, I have a little bit more guidance, but what about the people that don't, you know, what about Mm -hmm. the people that may live in a small town and there is no, you know, mental health counseling in their city? Like what now? And, And so to have, you know, if I can call your office, Alice, and say, hey, um, I'm overwhelmed. It's too much. I don't know. I, I can't deal with life right now because it's it's too much. Who who do you recommend? And to have you say, you know what? These are people that I've worked with. I think they can help you put you in, in the right path of feeling like yourself, feeling normal, feeling less overwhelmed go give them a call. That would just be so nice. It, it would just be so helpful to take away some of that pressure, you mm-hmm. know, relieve that pressure from, from trying to figure it out all, out all on your own. Because while I can sit here and confidently say that I feel like I've come out of another side, so to speak, um, in term, generally, you know, my anxiety is totally still there. I still have fears every day. I still have the what ifs every day, but I can manage it. But it's because I was able to manage them with help. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's finding the help that um, is important. Hi there. This is Alexis from the Hoyt Institute of Food Allergy. Did you know that the Institute is the official sponsor of the Food Allergy and Your Kiddo podcast? And did you also know that you are now able to connect with Dr. Hoyt directly? That's right. We are now offering Food Allergy Office Hours for Parents. These one-on-one virtual sessions are available for parents all across the country. It's an educational session, not an office visit, where you can ask all of your food allergy questions and finally get answers. It's as comfortable as having a cup of coffee with your bestie. Simply click the link in the show notes to schedule and mention this ad. We are so, so excited to connect with parents across the globe with this new service. Okay, now back to Pam and Dr. Hoyt. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that brings us to our fourth sub-theme, sub the dream. The dream. So, Pam... What do you think of the dream? What do you think? What is in a perfect world? What is what is the dream? No allergies. <laughs> um, You're dreaming too big. too big. So bring it down a notch. Let's, um, let's, if you have to manage allergies, yes. What is the dream for how to manage it? You know, I think um, I feel like we've kind of touched on it, but I think that having a space, a clinic, an area, you know, if I set up you, for instance, if you set up a practice, you know, um, I would love to go to your practice and see um, Dr. Alice Hoyt 
know, allergists and immunologists specializing food allergies. But I would love to also see, um, you know, a little sign for a mental health professional. Um, I would love maybe a nurse or nurse practitioner or a physician's assistant who can maybe, as I leave your your particular diagnosis and space and your expertise, could maybe go to them and ask all the little questions. You know, maybe the questions that you don't necessarily need to answer, but I need someone with knowledge on the subject to answer. Um, I would love to see, you know, pretty pamphlets and leaflets on how to read a food allergy label. I would love um, websites, resources, websites. Um, and I know that's a lot to ask. I know that's a lot to to ask for for a doctor to to set up in their practice. Um, but in a perfect world, it would all be encompassed in in one place where it's easy for me to call and say, "This is what I need. How can you help me?" Um, in you know, just in everyday life, if I couldn't do all of those things, um, if if every allergist could maybe have a how-to. You know, when you go, we're all parents here for the most part. If you, when you go to your pediatrician's office at every milestone, you know, appointment, they give you a little sheet that says, this is what your child should be doing. These are the things that you should be watching for. Um, I mean, ours are usually like two pages. They talk about TV and social media and um, good decision-making, you know, what you should be teaching your child. Maybe have something like that, right? You know, here are some resources for mental health if you need it. Here are some resources for nutritionists if you need it. Here are some resources for um, great websites that we feel would guide you along your way. You know, websites like yours and, and this podcast, it doesn't necessarily have to all be, you know, medical jargon, just people who are living life, managing this or working in this field who are, um, you know, credible, Mm -hmm. who um, are giving good advice, who are not, you know, fear-mongering people, because there are some of those people out there. Um, And then what you do with that information and and what information you choose to take in or not, then that's on you, right? But to maybe just have like a little leaflet that just gives you all of that um, to make the process less less um, scary, um, less overwhelming. And more guided. More guided, yes. Um, Just a little guidance. And it's not to say that your job as an allergist is to guide us on our way, but as as a patient, you know, when I go to a doctor, I don't just go for them to tell me what's wrong with me. I go for them to help me fix it. Mm -hmm. Um, So if I go to you and all you do is say, yep, you're allergic, here's your EpiPen, and you send me on my way, you're not helping me fix it. (laughs) You know, you're... Right, and it leaves a void. Yeah. So Um, then who is helping you? Right. And is it evidence-based? And and you touched on something about setting up my practice, as some of my listeners know. 
Um, I have taken a step back from clinical practice. Now I'm still very much involved in very many non-clinical um, or non-directly clinical food allergy related activities. Um, but I have taken a step back from clinical practice as I raise my beautiful daughter mm-hmm. with my wonderful wow. husband who, um, another tangent, Pam, um, I tried making a sugar-free, gluten-free, nut-free cake and you know what? I think it was going to be fine, except <laughs> I think the recipe called for too much salt and it was salty. Oh, boo. I know, right? But the texture came out good. But my sweet, dear husband and my sweet parents who, you know, you talked about your both sides of your family, your 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 family, your husband's family. They're very supportive. You know, I, I feel the same way about our families. Um, they're amazing. And my sweet husband was like, Alice, you know. I, I really admire that that you tried <laughs> that you tried to make something that everybody could share because I wanted everybody to share, right. you know. And my sweet dad was like, "You don't have to make you don't you don't have to make it sugar free for everybody. Just maybe I'll just have my own little Aww. something." I was like, "But dad, I want us all to share because there's something very there's something very family yeah. about." sharing. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's why like when you go to Disney World and and they bring you like a bunch of food family style. Yeah. It's called family style, you know? Um, but I th- I think my dad was onto something there. And I think <laughs> I think what I'll do is I will make um maybe I'll make different cupcakes and I'll decorate them the same, but I will make them in different cupcake um wrappers. Yeah. So you and know. so I'll I'll know which ones are what. Um, and we have an episode on labeling and, and all of that. But you know what? It would have been fine, except <laughs> the salt. it was too much salt. So there was salt, baking soda, baking powder. Mom's like, eh, it's probably mm. too much of that stuff. I was like, I followed the recipe. Um, but then also I used the stevia in the raw for baking. And I think just a mix of all of that stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to try it again. But let me tell you, um, the the freshly chopped strawberries and the cream cheese frosting was fantastic. Now I, I sweetened this cream cheese frosting with Splenda, um, and that that went over better. Anyway, I, that was my tangent. <laughs> um, but it really is about how loving our families are, mm-hmm. how wonderful our families are, um, and we are very blessed to have that. And I think that I know, you know, whenever we do these continuing medical education activities that doctors have to do to make sure that we are staying up to date with best practices um, and get credit for our boards and all of that stuff, um, they always ask the question, will this activity, is it prompt you to make any, make any changes in your practice? And, you know, before reading this article, I always knew and, you know, I mean, I sit here and talk to you all the time about how we can make the lives of families of kiddos with food allergy better. And I know how important it is to have access to mental health care, to have guidance, a roadmap, resources, acknowledge, just even just acknowledge that there are these um, comorbid conditions, if we want to say that, of the financial issues, the anxiety, the um, not knowing, the loss of normalcy, all these things. First, just acknowledging it, that yeah. it's there and that your feelings are valid. Mm-hmm. What I think you that are feeling is a, valid. 
Yeah. Sorry. I think that and goes such a long way. Just yeah. acknowledging. Yeah. Just, just acknowledge it. And then providing resources. I know that when I do step back into direct patient care, um, this is, this is a, this is a big part of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, well, first, just to say, I think that you have always been pretty aware of this. Um, Thank but you, I friend. Think, you're welcome. But I think to, um, you know, sometimes reading it and seeing it in front of you is something different, right? That you see it and you think, oh, man, there is a need for that. It's not just, well, maybe I should do this. Um, but you just saying, you know, and I, and maybe that was a word that I kept looking for why I kept being so long, long winded, um, the acknowledgement, it's not just the understanding, but the acknowledgement that there are those things goes such a long way for people. I do think, you know, as we, we continue to peel back the layers of the onion that is life with food allergy, just like reading this article. I mean, you know, we talk about these things, these themes, these sub things. We kind of, we don't dance around them. We talk about them. But to see it all laid out, I mean, they yeah. even just straight up have a table where in one column they have the theme, the next column they have the sub theme, and then they have quotes mm -hmm. from these parents who are living this every day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, for for our listeners who have kids, this kind of reminds me of having a newborn where you're just constantly yeah. you're 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 constantly let's make sure they're breathing let's make sure like all these different things right uh -huh. because and there's never that time of letting up yeah um now my sweet little darling does not have food allergy so i do not know if that's exactly what it's like but from reading this article, mm -hmm. um, even after my years of experience of working with families who have food allergy, that's that's sort of what comes to my mind. If the the closest thing I can come to understanding it is is that mm -hmm. just the the constant making sure. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why this article is so good because it does give anybody who does not have a food allergy and insight of what it is like to have one. Or, I mean, in, in the case of these people, their kids have it, you know. Um, but that's why it's so good. Wow. Well, this was an amazing discussion. And, of course, y'all, it's springtime. Happy spring. Happy Get outside. Spring. Yes. If you have seasonal allergies, see your allergist. Yes. They can help you. Pam, anything else? Any any more wisdom we need to impart from you, my amazing, amazing co-host? I'm so happy you're back. Oh, thanks. I'm happy to be back. Um, no, just, you know, be kind. That's all I can say. So I'm going to end it today. Be kind to everyone, not just food allergy people. Be kind. World. Show grace. How about Show that? Grace. Yep. Because grace has been shown to all of us. Yep. I like it. Awesome. Okay, y'all. That's the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us this week. And remember, check out foodallergyandyourkiddo.com where you can get even more information about food allergy and your kiddo. I am an allergist, but I am not your allergist. 
So talk with your allergist about everything you learned on this episode, about what you're reading on foodallergyandyourkiddo.com. That's it for today. Y'all have a wonderful week. God bless you and God bless your family. 